O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, June 30th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal-clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week, we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Pinchas. Numbers 27 1-23 One day, a petition was presented by the daughters of Zelophadad, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza. Their father, Zelophehad, was a descendant of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Maker, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph. These women stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community at the entrance of the tabernacle. Our father died in the wilderness, they said. He was not among Korah's followers who rebelled against the Lord. He died because of his own sin, but he had no sons. Why should the name of our father disappear from his clan just because he had no sons? Give us property along with the rest of our relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord replied to Moses, The claim of the daughters of Zelophadad is legitimate. You must give them a grant of land along with their father's relatives. Assign them the property that would have been given to their father. 
and give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a man dies and has no son, then give his inheritance to his daughters. And if he has no daughter either, transfer his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. But if his father has no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan. This is a legal requirement for the people of Israel, just as the Lord commanded Moses. One day the Lord said to Moses, Climb one of the mountains east of the river and look out over the land I have given the people of Israel. After you have seen it, you will die like your brother Aaron, for you both rebelled against my instructions in the wilderness of Zin. When the people of Israel rebelled, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to them at the waters. These are the waters of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Then Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Please appoint a new man as leader for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle, so the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the Spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him, so the whole community of Israel will obey him. When direction from the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eleazar the priest, who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord, to determine his will. This is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel will determine everything they should do. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to Eleazar the priest and the whole community. Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people, just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Second Kings 17, 1-18-12 Hoshea, son of Elah, began to rule over Israel in the twelfth year of King Ahaz's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria nine years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but not to the same extent as the kings of Israel who ruled before him. King Shalmaneser of Assyria attacked King Hoshea, so Hoshea was forced to pay heavy tribute to Assyria. But Hoshea stopped paying the annual tribute and conspired against the king of Assyria by asking King So of Egypt to help him shake free of Assyria's power. When the king of Assyria discovered this treachery, he seized Hoshea and put him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded the entire land, and for three years he besieged the city of Samaria. Finally, in the ninth year of King Hoshea's reign, Samaria fell, and the people of Israel were exiled to Assyria. They were settled in colonies in Hala, along the banks of the Habor River in Gozon, and in the cities of the Medes. 
This disaster came upon the people of Israel because they worshipped other gods. They sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them safely out of Egypt and had rescued them from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. They had followed the practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them, as well as the practices the kings of Israel had introduced. The people of Israel had also secretly done many things that were not pleasing to the Lord their God. They built pagan shrines for themselves in all their towns, from the smallest outpost to the largest walled city. They set up sacred pillars and Asherah poles at the top of every hill and under every green tree. They offered sacrifices on all the hilltops, just like the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. So the people of Israel had done many evil things, arousing the Lord's anger. Yes, they worshipped idols, despite the Lord's specific and repeated warnings. Again and again the Lord had sent his prophets and seers to warn both Israel and Judah, Turn from all your evil ways. Obey my commands and decrees, the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey, and that I gave you through my servants, the prophets. But the Israelites would not listen. They were as stubborn as their ancestors who had refused to believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors, and they despised all his warnings. They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. They followed the example of the nations around them, disobeying the Lord's command not to imitate them. They rejected all the commands of the Lord their God and made two calves from metal. They set up an Asherah pole and worshipped Baal and all the forces of heaven. They even sacrificed their own sons and daughters in the fire. They consulted fortune tellers and practiced sorcery and sold themselves to evil, arousing the Lord's anger. Because the Lord was very angry, With Israel, he swept them away from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah remained in the land. But even the people of Judah refused to obey the commands of the Lord their God, for they followed the evil practices that Israel had introduced. The Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel. He punished them by handing them over to their attackers until he had banished Israel from his presence. For when the Lord tore Israel away from the kingdom of David, they chose Jeroboam, son of Nebat, as their king. But Jeroboam drew Israel away from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. And the people of Israel persisted in all the evil ways of Jeroboam. They did not turn from these sins until the Lord finally swept them away from his presence just as all his prophets had warned. So Israel was exiled from their land to Assyria, where they remain to this day. The king of Assyria transported groups of people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, 
and Sepharvaim, and resettled them in the towns of Samaria, replacing the people of Israel. They took possession of Samaria and lived in its towns. But since these foreign settlers did not worship the Lord when they first arrived, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So a message was sent to the king of Assyria, The people you have sent to live in the towns of Samaria do not know the religious customs of the God of the land. He has sent lions among them to destroy them because they have not worshipped him correctly. The king of Assyria then commanded, Send one of the exiled priests back to Samaria. Let him live there and teach the new residents the religious customs of the God of the land. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. But these various groups of foreigners also continued to worship their own gods. In town after town where they lived, they placed their idols at the pagan shrines that the people of Samaria had built. Those from Babylon worshipped idols of their god, Sukkot Binoth. Those from Kutha worshipped their god, Nergal, and those from Hamath worshipped Ashima. The Avites worshipped their gods Nibhaz and Tartak, and the people from Sepharvaim even burned their own children as sacrifices to their gods, Adramelech and Anamelech. These new residents worshipped the Lord, but they also appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests to offer sacrifices at their places of worship. And though they worshipped the Lord, they continued to follow their own gods according to the religious customs of the nations from which they came. And this is still going on today. They continue to follow their former practices instead of truly worshipping the Lord and obeying the decrees, regulations, instructions, and commands he gave the descendants of Jacob, whose name he changed to Israel. For the Lord had made a covenant with the descendants of Jacob and commanded them, Do not worship any other gods or bow before them or serve them or offer sacrifices to them. But worship only the Lord who brought you out of Egypt with great strength and a powerful arm. Bow down to him alone and offer sacrifices only to him. Be careful at all times to obey the decrees, regulations, instructions, and commands that he wrote for you. You must not worship other gods. Do not forget the covenant I made with you, and do not worship other gods. You must worship only the Lord your God. He is the one who will rescue you from all your enemies. But the people would not listen and continue to follow their former practices. So while these new residents worship the Lord, they also worship their idols, and to this day their descendants do the same. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hosea's reign in Israel. He was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem twenty-nine years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. 
He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands that Yahweh had given Moses. So Yahweh was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay tribute to him. He also conquered the Philistines as far distant as Gaza and its territory, from their smallest outpost to their largest walled city. During the fourth year of Hezekiah's reign, which was the seventh year of King Hoshea's reign in Israel, King Shalmaneser of Assyria attacked the city of Samaria and began a siege against it. Three years later, during the sixth year of King Hezekiah's reign and the ninth year of King Hoshea's reign in Israel, Samaria fell. At that time, the king of Assyria exiled the Israelites to Assyria and placed them in colonies in Hala, along the banks of the Habor River in Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. For they refused to listen to the Lord their God and obey Him. Instead, they violated His covenant, all the laws that Moses the Lord's servant had commanded them to obey. Acts 20, 1 to 38. When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life. So he decided to return through Macedonia. Several men were traveling with him. They were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. They went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. After the Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia, and five days later joined them in Troas, where we stayed a week. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lit with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. 
Paul went by land to Assos, where he had arranged for us to join him, while we traveled by ship. He joined us there, and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day we sailed past the island of Chios. The following day we crossed to the island of Samos, and a day later we arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God, and of having faith in our Lord Jesus, Yeshua. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by Yeshua, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, His church, purchased with His own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out! Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed for them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all, because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. Psalm 148, 1-14 Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord from the heavens! Praise Him from the skies! Praise Him, all His angels! Praise Him, all the armies of heaven! Praise Him, sun and moon! 
Praise Him, all you twinkling stars. Praise Him, skies above. Praise Him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For He issued His command, and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Praise the Lord from the earth, you creatures of the ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather that obey Him, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all livestock, small scurrying animals and birds, kings of the earth and all people, rulers and judges of the earth, young men and young women, old men and children. Let them all praise the name of the Lord, for His name is very great. His glory towers over earth and heaven. He has made His people strong, honoring His faithful ones, the people of Israel who are close to Him. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 18, 6 and 7 Fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. The mouth of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. I'd like to speak to you today from 2 Kings chapter 17. And what we're going to see here is the decline of a nation. What does it look like? So we're looking here at the northern kingdom, also known as the House of Israel. They lived in the northern part of the country up in what's known as Shomron or Samaria, up in the Galilee region. Jerusalem is part of the southern kingdom, and everything south of Jerusalem, the Negev and the wilderness and everything to the south. So up in the north, we see the king of Israel living up in the Samaria region. And let's begin with verse 15. They rejected his decrees, God's decrees, and the covenant he had made with their ancestors, and they despised all his warnings. They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. They followed the example of the nations around them, disobeying the Lord's command not to imitate them. Let me just unpack this a little bit for you. We see that they became worthless themselves. They became like the idols that they worshipped. Worthless. We also see that they were so affected by peer pressure, by what the nations around them were doing, that they wanted to engage in the same kind of practices. And God calls his people to be set apart, to be distinct, to be holy. And yet we see that same dynamic today. It's so easy to get swept up in the current of the culture and of the world. That there is a message being constantly promoted through the mainstream media channels, through Facebook and Twitter. And incredible pressure to conform to that message. And so in doing this, they disobeyed the Lord's command not to imitate them. Verse 16, they rejected all the commands of the Lord their God, Yahweh their Elohim, and they made two calves from metal. 
They set up an Asherah pole and worshipped Baal and all the forces of heaven. This goes all the way back to the golden calf incident at Mount Sinai. It also goes back to 1 Kings chapter 12, the original kingdom split between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and Jeroboam, the king of the northern kingdom, led them into golden calf worship. What does that look like today? When we substitute anything uh, for, for God himself and worship that other thing, that's golden calf worship. So it's a form of idolatry, and it is very detestable in the eyes of God. Verse 17, they even sacrificed their own sons and daughters in the fire. They consulted fortune tellers and practiced sorcery and sold themselves to evil, arousing the Lord's anger. What does that look like today? The abortion industry, sacrificing the preborn children who are still in the womb to the God of self. The abortion industry actually takes baby body parts and sells them. They use aborted fetal cells and reproduce them and put them into many vaccines and into other commercial products. Jumping down to verse 23. But let's start with verse 22. The people of Israel persisted in all the evil ways of Jeroboam. They did not turn from these sins until the Lord finally swept them away from his presence, just as all his prophets had warned. So Israel, the northern kingdom, was exiled from their land to Assyria, where they remain to this day. So the consequence of a nation that falls away from God and goes into idolatry and following after other gods is they ended up in exile, living in Assyria, where they were assimilated and absorbed. Verse 24, the king of Assyria transported groups of people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharim, and resettled them in the towns of Samaria, replacing the people of Israel. They took possession of Samaria and lived in its towns. Now, Samaria is Shomron. It's the biblical heartland of Israel to the north of Jerusalem. Now, this is a tactic, an ancient tactic and strategy that is still widely used today. How so? So the Muslims want to have a revived caliphate, an Islamic empire. And one way that they attain that is not through sword or fight or battle, but through immigration. So there's been a huge flux of Muslims that have left from the Middle East and from Africa and have been invading all of Europe, particularly Germany and England and France. And so all of these Muslim immigrants have been absorbed and they give them all kinds of benefits. And basically they're slowly transforming these 
European nations into Muslim nations. And that's exactly what's going on right now under the Biden administration in America. The southern border, where Trump wanted to build a wall and define you know, a line, a boundary uh, between Mexico and the U.S. and have proper immigration laws, um, that boundary is now very, very porous, and there are thousands and tens of thousands of illegal immigrants coming across the border. It's very soft and porous. What defines a nation? Language, borders, and culture. And when you no longer have borders, then the culture gets completely radicalized and changed and transformed. And so this tactic of sending the invading army into the country that they want to invade and take over and just go populate it, go live there, go get married, go get have children. This tactic is an ancient tactic that the Assyrians used back then and is still being used to this very day. Democrats love it with all the illegal aliens coming in because when it's time for voting, they have the illegal aliens voting, and of course they vote Democrat because the Democrats give them little perks. So this is how you can transform the nation and turn it away from conserve a conservative slant, turn it away from Christian or biblical values, and turn them towards idolatry and towards liberalism and communism and socialism and all of that. It's just by sheer demographics. Continuing on in Second Kings 17, 33 and 34, it is written, And though they worshipped the Lord, they continued to follow their own gods according to the religious customs of the nations from which they came. Verse 34, And this is still going on today. They continue to follow their former practices instead of truly worshiping the Lord and obeying the decrees, regulations, instructions, and commands he gave the descendants of Jacob, whose name he changed to Israel. This is a sad conclusion of the matter that this is still going on today. What it's saying is that there are people who may go to church on Shabbat or on Sunday and worship the Lord, worship the God of Israel, but they also, when they leave that church building, they are continuing to follow the gods of the nations. And there's mixture. There's mixture. Back then, they worshiped the Lord the God of Israel, and they worshipped other gods. And that's going on today. There's mixture. There are people who worship the God of Israel, and they're also worshipping other gods. So this is something to consider and reflect on and ask the Holy Spirit to search our own heart. Father, reveal to me, am I worshipping any other gods? Idols of the heart. 
it doesn't have to be some little statue that you bow down to like a little Buddhist statue, but an idol of the heart can be anything that you love and put time, energy, and effort into as much or more than what you of time, energy, and effort that you put into seeking the Lord your God. So what can an idol of the heart be? It can be that you, it can be video games. It can be a spouse, a child, a bank account, a job, a career, anything that we make equal to or above our seeking after the Lord becomes an idol of the heart. Heavenly Father, I I pray today that you will search our heart with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll do an inner cleansing in us, that you'll reveal through your light, your truth, your spirit, anything unclean, anything that's not of you that's there within our heart. Bring it forth, bubble it up, bring it to the surface, that we might be quick to repent, that we might be quick to pull down any idols of the heart, that we might make you number one on the throne, that we would not just have you as our Savior, but we would have you truly as our Lord, as our King. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, Amen. Yevrekha Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>